Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Joanne. And I'm Kim. So today, y'all, it's just Kim and I. You know, that's not Uh often done, right? (laughs) So today is just us. And we are going to, you know, break some information down for you guys based on our area of expertise. We're going to talk about diabetes and we're going to talk about gut health. So Uh we're basically interviewing our, you know, each other. So Right. Kim, who is the diabetes expert here, I want you to break down for people listening the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. I think people are still confused about that. And Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes people are interchanging the definitions of what falls under what. So break it down for the people. Right, right. And, you know, you do bring out a very important point that people do not you know, realize that there's different types of diabetes. Besides type 1 and type 2 diabetes, there's a whole host of other diabetes. And I think it's important because a lot of the patients that I see in the hospital, you know, I always ask them, what type of diabetes do you have? And they were like, baby, we don't know. We we got sugar. So (laughs) seriously, seriously. So I think, you know, knowledge is empowering. So today for the podcast, we're just going to talk about type 1 and type 2. So that does not mean if you don't have type 1 or type 2, if you have like gestational, that doesn't mean that you can't listen and gather information. So diabetes in general is a very complex condition, and it refers to a group of diseases that affect how the body utilizes sugar that we get from the foods that we eat. So type 1 diabetes is a chronic condition in which we have a little organ in our body by the name of the pancreas. And the pancreas, there's certain cells of the pancreas known as the beta cells that produce insulin. So in type 1 diabetes, these beta cells produce little to no insulin whatsoever. So insulin is important. Insulin is a hormone and it's needed to allow the sugar from the foods that we eat to enter our cells and give us energy. In type 2 diabetes, type 2 diabetes is a little different. So type 1 diabetes is something that you were either born with or now a lot of people are developing type 1 diabetes in their adulthood. Mm. Uh, Type 2 diabetes, yeah, it's girl, it's, it's interesting. It's quite interesting. You know, science is always evolving. Type 2 diabetes used to be called adult onset or non-insulin dependent diabetes. But, you know, children as young as nine years old have, you know, type 2 diabetes as well. So in this condition, the body does produce insulin. So your pancreas is working, your beta cells are working, but the cells of your body are not responding to this hormone insulin in the way that they should. So this causes your blood sugars to be really, really elevated. So they're similar in the fact that it impacts how your body uses the sugar from the foods that you eat, except in type 1 diabetes, your pancreas, the beta cells are dead and dying. And in type 2, the beta cells, you know, they're still doing their thing, but, you know, the cells aren't responding how they should. 
Wow. It, Ooh, I said it, a lot. I said a lot. It was a lot, <laughs> but it was very informative. I mean, it's crazy to me that now kids as young as nine, as you stated, mm-hmm. are being impacted by right. diabetes. I mean, that says a lot about the society that we live in, you know? Yeah. And, you know, even to just, you know, put myself out there, put my family out there. My niece is probably going to kill me <laughs> when she hears this episode. My niece is 12 now. When she was nine, the doctor was like, yo, what's going on? Like her blood sugars are elevated. So then, you know, my sister-in-law turned to me and was like, you know, Kim, you know, you need to handle this. And I said, gladly, gladly, I will handle it. So the reason why I use nine as a reference is because it's something personal to me. Like, I don't know what the journal articles out there saying. I don't know if it's younger for them. But I just remember my nine-year-old niece at the time had insulin resistance and it was, as a matter it was the food that she was eating, you know, they're, Joanne, you have kids. My niece was picky, very picky at that age. If it didn't come in a brown paper bag, she didn't want it. She didn't want it. So what I ended up doing, I ended up cooking the food and buying brown paper bags. I'm like, here you go. <laughs> you know? I did. That's a good trick. That's a trick we use here, girl. (laughs) So, yeah, it's very real. It's very real. Wow. That's crazy. So now it's my turn to turn the tables and speak to you. And guys, we promise you this is all interrelated. So it may seem like two different topics, but we promise you it is very related. So Joanne is the gut health expert here. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the gut microbiome. Like, tell us, like, what is it? Why is it important for overall health and wellness? I will do just that, girl. So your gut (laughs) microbiome is specific to you, first of all. Let's put that out there. People seem to think, like, what's going on with somebody else's digestive tract is the same thing that may be going on with them. But your gut microbiome is specific to you, so much so that you can look at it like your fingerprints. So you know Mm. how your fingerprints are unique to you? Your gut microbiome Mm. is also unique to you as well. So that microbiome, it houses trillions of bacteria. And those bacteria, they are there to help in the processing of the foods that you eat, breaking foods down, helping in the absorption, all of that. Now, if your gut mm-hmm. microbiome is not functioning properly, there's some kind of imbalance going on in there, things are going to mm-hmm. start acting funky in your abdominal region, first of all, and then mm-hmm. that's going to migrate to other areas of your body, such as your, you know, your limbs, like if you're having joint pain, headaches mm. that you're always seeing, So many different regions of your body. I mean, even your libido could be affected by how Mm, your gut microbiome is working. So Mm -hmm. I always tell people that your gut is the gateway to your health. So that means that if your gut is functioning properly, you are most likely going to be in good health. And if it's not functioning properly, you are most likely going to not be in good health health overall something it may be going on something's gonna start going on and if the issues in your gut persist where they become chronic that's when you start seeing the migration of symptoms outside of the digestive area and 
Of course, diabetes and your gut is interconnected because your pancreas is right. right there and your pancreas is part of digestive system. So there's good mm-hmm. connection mm-hmm. there. There is. There is. And let me ask you this, because, you know, while you're speaking and I'm hearing you say that, you know, it can affect the functioning of your gut. Of course, the microbes, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you know, you're feeding the bad bacteria. Can this impact the physiology, like the mechanical functioning of your gut? Or is it just on like a microscopic level? Yeah, definitely. So I see this often with people who are experiencing food intolerances. So those food intolerances, Mm -hmm. you know, people will come to me and they'll say, you know, like I had no issues with this food years ago. And now all of a Mm -hmm. sudden I have issues with it. Well, it's because Mm. whatever issue you were having with your digestive system, whether it was some kind of norovirus, like stomach bug that did some harm to your Mm -hmm. gut, whether it was the way you've been eating over the years or persistent Mm -hmm. use of medications that can sometimes harm the gut, whether it's any of those Mm -hmm. things that the functioning of or the tolerance of that food that you had no issues with before just pops up. And so it could be both, like it could be microscopic, it could be a macroscopic. I mean, it's, it could be both that occurs. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I never thought about that before. I never thought about that. Huh. Learn something new today. Well, we are both (laughs) learning new things and I hope the audience is as well. So let me ask you this though. You know, I work a lot with autoimmune related conditions and I hear this. And again, diabetes is a condition that is confusing to a lot of people and people don't often understand which one is autoimmune related or both of them autoimmune related? Is it one of them? So can you go into that a little bit for us? Sure, sure. So that is a very good question. So type one diabetes is the one that is autoimmune related. So with type one diabetes, there's like a whole umbrella of more specific, like later other types of diabetes, but type one is the one that is immune related. And again, just to let the audience know, it's when the immune system incorrectly targets the beta cells of the pancreas. So basically, like the body turns on itself and starts killing off these beta cells so that the insulin that it produces will be very, very little or non-existent whatsoever. So that's the one that is autoimmune related. Type 2 diabetes, I know it has been referred to as a lifestyle type of diabetes, which we'll get into a little bit later on, but that's not the one we're talking about here. It's type 1. Right, right. So do they both relate to gut health? So, okay, so type 1 is not my niche. Type two is so I'm going to be speaking about type two because type one is just a whole nother ball game in and of itself. Another beast. So, yeah, it is. It is another beast altogether. It is. So specifically with type two diabetes, it can relate to gut health. Well, let me just say this. Let, let me backtrack a little bit. So just go ahead and scratch out everything that I said. Type one and type two can definitely relate to gut health, and this is the reason why. When you have uncontrolled blood sugars, whether it's type 1 or type 2 diabetes, this can lead to a condition called gastroparesis. And gastroparesis impacts the digestion. So basically, when you have these high blood sugars, they start to affect the nerves. 
And one particular nerve that innervates the stomach is called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve helps us with digestion and food emptying, so forth and so on. So when we have gastroparesis, when the vagus nerve is impacted, this can lead to problems with not only nutrition, but with high blood sugar levels. It can impact how the body absorbs nutrients. It can lead to malnutrition if left untreated. And it's just really, it's really not pretty. So yeah, it can def- diabetes can definitely impact our gut health. So, I mean, it would really behoove us to try to control our blood sugar levels, whether it's type 1 or type 2 diabetes, but both conditions do have an impact on the gut. Long story short. I'm totally in agreement with that. I know I read a study, I don't know how long ago, it was a few years ago, and I'm sure you as that diabetes expert has read it as well, a study that came out about how your gut health is related to autoimmune conditions, including diabetes. I don't know if you Uh remember reading uh that article. So that was the first time I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because type one, as you stated earlier, is an autoimmune condition. And so Uh for type two, definitely there's a relation with type two in your gut health. Because one, let's, you know, you talked about the fashion of in which people eat, like it's a lifestyle kind of, it's a lifestyle condition. So how you're eating is going to affect your gut. As I stated, as I stated earlier, it can cause damage to your gut. So how you're eating can cause damage to your gut, affect your blood sugars, lead to the gastroparesis yeah. that Kim was just speaking of, which then then turn into heartburn issues, nausea and vomiting all the time, you know, that, yeah. you know, loose stools, depending on how your gastroparesis is going, how you're emptying your stomach is being yeah. emptied. So definitely the two of them are related to gut health. They are. So when did you realize that the gut microbiome was linked to type two, my niche? When did you realize that? So with type two, I, like I just said, because of you know, how someone eats affecting their blood sugar and how someone Uh eats can also affect their gut health. There had to have been, I always saw the connection there. Now, the one Uh that is not your expertise, the type one, Uh reading that article like solidified to me, for me, the connection between type one and your gut health because of the fact, the autoimmune situation and them saying that Uh because your gut can affect or trigger a lot of autoimmune conditions, like stuff that you may have a precursor for or predisposition for that may not have Uh triggered, can trigger Uh if there's damage to your gut that occurs. And then that trigger occurs and then your body again starts attacking itself. Right. So like specifically, was there any particular clients that you worked with or was it just like, your studies and looking at these journal articles that you realized that there was a link? I don't think it was journal articles. I think it clicked for me throughout my years in private practice with my patients. Uh uh I think that's how I saw the connection between the two. Gotcha. I would say for me, it was really a client that I was working with. And it was just so interesting because, you know, we all know like the risk factors for developing type 2 diabetes, like, oh, if you're overweight or if you have a parent or sibling or if you're physically inactive or if you're a certain ethnicity. And with this particular client, 
he came to me and he was over 300 pounds. And I'm like, yes, it has to be that. It has to be that that is causing all these elevated blood sugar levels. So I really went at it from like a weight perspective. And I was like, well, you know, you got to do this and you got to do this. And to tell you the truth, yeah, he lost a little weight. But really, when I started telling him like, man, you know, you got to tone down on the regular soda and, you know, you really got to start focusing on your fruits and your vegetables. It wasn't even the exercise, but I worked with him for four months and his A1C went from 11.7 to 5.6 in a matter of four months, hardly lost any weight. Only thing I focused on was, well, fruits and vegetables are non-existent in your life. We got to put them in. So that for me, that's when my eyes opened up and I was like, yo, what is this? That is crazy. So that's what like, yeah, it is. And his doctor was like, look, I don't know what you're doing, but continue to do it because it's working. And I mean, I didn't even ask him to like give up his foods, the foods that he likes. I just asked him, you need to prioritize your fruits and vegetables. And he did. And I'm just, it was just amazing, Joanne. It was amazing. I believe it. Because, you know, I will add this to what I said earlier. I often, when people come to me and they're like, you know, I have a lot of digestive issues. I'm in pain. I can't handle it. And then like the side note to that is, oh yeah, I also have high blood pressure. I also have diabetes and I've gained some weight over the years. And the focus is usually on the gut health issues. And once we start uh-huh. handling the gut health issues, those other factors, they start going back to their normal ranges. So people who are hypertensive, we start being able to manage that hypertension, even though that wasn't even my goal, like, or not my goal, but like that wasn't uh-huh. my focus. My focus was the digestive part. And then once I start right. fixing the digestive part, it's kind of like a domino effect. Everything else falls in line. And, you know, they start losing weight, even though they weren't, you know, that wasn't the focus, but the weight that they had gained, Uh they they start losing it because they're focusing Uh on this new lifestyle that we're, Uh you know, I've created for them to heal their gut. It's just, it's kind of like a, that's, I mean, you can see how all this is linked. And that's why we always say like, this is a lifestyle that you're living. This is not a temporary diet that you're on. And, you know, uh-huh. the way we, and I know how you work as well, the way we create our therapies for our clients, uh-huh. it's sustainable. It's not, you know, yeah. you're doing this only, you know, for two days, two months. Exactly. And they, they don't know what else to do after exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially one of the first things when people are diagnosed with chronic conditions is they feel like, oh, you know, they have to eat all these foods that taste boring and, you know, it's not sustainable. But I'm like, no, you can still enjoy the foods that you like. It's just, let's shift our focus. Instead of the greasy and the fried and the sugary, you can still have those, but predominantly we need to fill our plates with fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes and include your cultural foods in there too. Like, Quinoa isn't necessarily better than sauce, you know, sauce, bean sauce, you know, Haitian bean sauce or like rice and peas and stew peas for Jamaicans. Like it's not, you know, so I think certain foods are toted as having like superfood capabilities when in reality people have these underlying conditions 
that they're not even healing and they think that, you know, like, oh, if I change this and change that, then that's going to be, you know, I'm going to be all miraculously healed. But, you know, we got to work from the, the root cause. What is the root cause of the issue? And it, you know, whatever's going on with you didn't happen overnight. So don't yes. expect the healing aspect to happen overnight as well. And that's always, I think that's the fall down for people with that mentality. They're most likely those clients who think that this is going to happen overnight are most likely the ones who don't go through or succeed with the therapies that has been created for them because it's not going to happen overnight and that's okay. Right. It is. It is. In order to get long lasting results, you know, you have to have a little patience with yourself. I was just going to add what you said earlier about your niece, you know, that is a great example. I mean, kids, most kids are picky eaters. It don't even matter what Mm -hmm. your background is. If you're a dietitian, if you're a lay person, if you have, they don't care. These kids, Uh they, you know, (laughs) most of my kids have had, I would say all of them, they've had picky eating periods throughout their years on this earth thus far. And for my kids, like we're not big fast food people, but one thing I didn't want my kids to have that temptation of, oh, why are they eating Uh chicken nuggets or why are they eating these things and I'm not getting to eat them. So I make them at home. Like I'll make chicken nuggets at home. I'll bake them, I'll fry them, whatever it is that I wish to do. But I know exactly what my ingredients are that I'm using. And Uh again, not everyone, you know, we're not talking about people who don't have access to food, you know, who are in a food desert. That's, That's a whole different category of how you can go about eating healthy foods and putting healthy foods on your table and what you can do. Um, We're talking about people who have like access to grocery stores to be able to buy produce, to be able to, you know, you know, manipulate the ingredients that are putting in their foods more. And so, yeah, so definitely we're eating as healthy as we can over here, but we're also not again, I'm not going to lose my culture and my kids are going to learn about their culture because they're growing up in the United States and they're born here. So I don't want them to not know what, you know, where I come from and where my parents come from and the foods that we love, the foods that we eat, the language that we speak. So all that, you got to incorporate all of that into your lifestyle. And that's what makes it sustainable is not losing yourself. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. I absolutely love that because things don't have to taste like cardboard and sadness. It doesn't. (laughs) And, you know, as I tell people, this is a, it's not a sprint, you know, this is a marathon and inflammation and insulin resistance did not just happen overnight. This thing has been growing in the body for a period of time. So definitely have patience with yourself. So I wanted to ask you, being, you know, the gut health expert, what are some foods that someone can eat to improve their gut microbiome if they're dealing with inflammation, which I think is like the underlying condition with, you know, type 2 diabetes and a lot of all of these other chronic conditions out there. So let us know gut health. So at the very basics, I always tell people, you know, making sure to consume a plant-based diet predominantly, which does not mean that you're vegan. It just means that the majority of your foods that you're consuming are plant-based, right? 
And those plant-based foods that you're consuming have variety in them. They're colorful Mm -hmm. because that means you're getting all these Mm -hmm. antioxidants and micronutrients that we need. So that's the very first thing. Now, if you actively have an issue going on where you may be bloated all the time or you're bloated on periods throughout periods of the day or after eating certain foods, Mm -hmm. we then may need to look at first what's going on with your foods, like what kind of foods you're consuming. So I always break down people's Mm -hmm. diet through like a, a food diary, just so I can see, get the bigger picture of how they're eating. And then Mm-hmm. If there is a lack of like, if, if your history tells me that you've done something or you've been doing things that may have damaged the bacteria that are in your stomach, then we look at first adding foods that are probiotic foods or fermented foods. So there are some uh-huh, in the stores, uh-huh. but oftentimes like a lot of the stuff, not a lot, but some of them are like your yogurts, those yogurts, they can Mm -hmm. have bacteria probiotics in them. But if you, for me, my experience is that if you have active issues going on, the amount that are found in yogurt is not enough to replenish Mm. those good bacteria. And also oftentimes those people, they have issues with dairy, managing dairy. So we would have to find Uh like a plant-based yogurt that may have bacteria um, probiotics in there. And again, I always see yogurt based probiotics that are in yogurt as more of a maintenance thing than more of a therapeutic thing. So for me, Uh if I see that you do need probiotic assistance, we may have to go to the supplement route and adding various supplements that I find have the adequate amount of probiotics in there to help with the healing process. So, you know, again, very basics is consuming the right foods like we always talk about in general, and that's going to help. So decreasing the significantly processed foods and consuming more nutrient dense foods, and that's going to help with the healing or maintaining your gut health. Now, if you've already done damage, to your gut through whether it was like for myself, uh-huh. it was having H. pylori that damaged my gut. I'm, you know, I eat pretty well, but that damage that that H. pylori did, it had me being intolerant to strawberries, quinoa, wow. cashews, like things that people oh would categorize goodness. as healthy, right? But I had issues with them because of the damage that the H. pylori had done. And so because of that, I had to go, you know, deeper into how, you know, my gut was going to be healed. It had nothing to do with me decreasing the significantly processed foods because that wasn't even part of my lifestyle to begin with. So people often think of digestive issues as, you know, that person is definitely not eating right, but that's not always the case. Mm, interesting. I didn't know you were intolerant to those foods. Wow. Well, not so anymore. You, you know, not them? anymore. So the good thing about intolerance is, you know, they're different from allergies Allergies, most likely, you may never get to eat that food again in your life without having, you know, a reaction that's like a rash or, God forbid, anaphylactic reaction. Like, you may never be able to eat that food again. But with food intolerances, healing your gut, we reintroduce. We reintroduce those foods back into your diet, into your lifestyle. And 
I'm able to tolerate cashews and strawberries and quinoa now. Like my, the ones that I uh-huh. still can't tolerate that I love is wheat. Can't uh-huh. tolerate wheat and certain dairies. So it depends on the quality of the dairy. Uh-huh. But yeah, I still have those. Like for years, I couldn't tolerate cumin. Like cumin, the the spice, it would bring me down. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a lot. H. Pylori is, is a beast. Wow. So I remember reading something about type 2 diabetes and the possible benefit of a probiotic. So is there any specific, I mean, I'm just asking for myself and I'm pretty sure the audience is curious too. Is there any specific probiotic you recommend or do you look for the active strains and certain, you know, like lactobacillus, acidophilus, so forth and so on? Like, what do you look for when you're looking for a probiotic? So if someone, you know, in general, just want to take probiotics, there's some good over-the-counter ones that you can take. But typically with my clients, I'm using a specific brand. I use the Designs for Health brand. I mean, that's not a plug to uh-huh. them. <laughs> but I use right, their brand right. because they don't have a lot of fillers in their probiotics. So you won't want any kind of supplement that has a lot of fillers in them. So you want minimal fillers and you're looking for variety. So having something, a probiotic supplement that has like seven to 10 different strains in there is awesome because you're getting a variety of strains because your gut, I said earlier, has trillions of bacteria in there and it's not one type or two type. I mean, there's like so many different strains. So you want to get that variety back in there to replenish. So you're looking for that in your probiotic supplement as well. You're looking for something that has multiple strains as opposed to two or three strains. Interesting. Good to know. Okay, y'all, you guys heard that. Multiple strains of bacteria. So, Joanne, in case someone wants to reach out to you for, you know, help with their gastrointestinal tract, go ahead and let them know how they can reach you. And then I'll let people know how they can get in contact with me. For sure. So if you want to reach me, of course, if you don't already follow me on Instagram, go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Black Nutritionist Mama. And you can DM me there. And then you can also go to my website, Wonderfully Nutritious. I had a pregnancy brain. (laughs) 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 Wonderfullynutritious.com. You can go there and send me a quick little message through the contact form. Or you can just email me, Joanne, at wonderfullynutritious.com. I will respond either way. So what about you, Kim? How can they reach you? And for me, for anyone that specifically has type 2 diabetes, I don't do PCOS. I don't do type 1 diabetes. I do type 2 diabetes as well as pre-diabetes. You can find me on Instagram at the.bloodsugar.nutritionist. And to schedule your free 15-minute discovery call, go to www.kimrosedietitian. There is no C in dietitian.com. And we can get to talking. well everyone thank you so much for listening to this episode do not forget to share it with a friend that has type 2 diabetes pre-diabetes or any type of inflammatory slash gut health issues please make sure that you give us five stars on this episode and until next time talk to you guys then bye everyone bye guys bye guys